What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 163, and we'll be talking about Stargate Atlantis' episode Childhood's End. Childhood's End. It didn't really end. I mean, it did, but it didn't. Well, that's true. You know, um, it is a little misleading. Yeah. Uh, Brent, we do need to um, just say a note to all of our listeners that this yes. episode has uh, conversations around suicide and childhood yes. death. Uh, so if this is something that you don't want to deal with right now... Um, then maybe you should just hit the stop button yep. and uh, listen to another episode. Um, yep. You know, we'll we'll try to, uh, I will try to uh, make sure that when we start talking more specifically about those topics, we'll put another marker in there uh, audibly. Um, and if you are dealing with uh, mental health problems, yeah. if you have uh, ideations of suicide yep. uh, and the like, please, there is help out there. Go yeah. and find it. Uh, Brent, I'm going to ask you to uh, cut into this spot an appropriate uh, national phone number for yeah. the U.S. at least. Yes. Yeah, so I found this uh, I found this out. I didn't know this, actually. Um, and this is really helpful. Uh, so in the United States... Uh, it's 988. Yeah. So if um, if you or someone you know are struggling with suicide uh, ideation, you can talk to a professional and you don't have to go about it alone. 988 in the United States will get you into contact with exactly the person that you need to be talking to. And uh, I know that uh, it's cheesy to say that somebody really wants you around, but um, it's true. Uh, it's true. Uh, so... Yeah, 988 for people in the United States. 100%. I'm glad you did this. I didn't even think about that. Which, I mean, that's sort of the thing. We get to talking about stuff, and there are people out there that are not feeling good about something, and we're all like, la, 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 ignorance. Yeah, thanks for that, Zach. I appreciate that. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, friends, so, we're an independent yeah, podcast. <laughs> yes, we're an independent podcast. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, Sorry, no, it was just such a good idea. And I was sitting there like, oh, I can, I can find that number really fast. So I know I'll take a look and it'll be in there. And, it'll, and, you know, so anyway, back to the show, independent podcast, friends. And uh, we told you last time that we are going to be shifting gears. You mean we've been telling you for a while, but like, you know, we're going to launch uh, the little buy me a coffee thing on the website on the second. I think I said That's of January. Said. And uh, just this uh, this morning, Zach was like, hey, did you do more with the buy me a coffee thing? And I'm like, right. So this afternoon, I'm going to finish that stuff up. <laughs> and uh, hey, it's uh, it's 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 Christmas time around here. So um, and I and you might still be able to hear that I have a sinus congestion. My chest cold got worse and then it got better and I'm almost done with it. Like I really am. But still a little bit of stuff up in there. So. Anyway, it's been a week. Uh, so we're going to do take care of that stuff. You're going to be able to find that on our website. Zach will tell us where you can find that in just a second. But if you have friends in your life who need more Stargate content, and especially if you got friends in your life who are vaguely interested in watching these other series, right? We've been talking about how we're in the zone now where some people haven't seen Atlantis or haven't seen it as much or like watched a bit of it, not all the way through. Like, this is we're, we can all be in this boat together, friends. Like this is this is kind of a fun boat to be in, 
And uh, you can tell them where to find our stuff. It's on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts. But they should do the right thing and download a podcast aggregator. Search for our show. Subscribe and listen to all the goodness. So, uh, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that they also have uh, found uh, dozens and dozens of people who have not watched Atlantis and they want to watch Atlantis and they have informed all of these dozens where they can go find our show. Uh, and they're really excited to tell us about this so that they can potentially get some kind of a like an on air like golf clap type situation like, oh, oh good job. Oh. So it's fantastic. How might they uh, reach out and uh, ask for that golf clap? So. If you know how to golf clap and have uh, created a nice <laughs> little video series of the appropriate way of pressure and, and angles of hands oh. so that you get that golf clap just perfect, yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to know about that. Please email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go to Facebook and go to our Facebook Walking Through the Stargate page or group and just hit the likes and subscribe and, and love and follow and, and participate. Every button. All of every the, positive hit, button. Hit all of the positive buttons. Even the negative ones. Apparently it all Fran feeds the same algorithm. Fr frankly, you know, we need to feed the algorithm beast, I guess. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so, so feed the beast. Um, the and do the things. Um, you can also go to the discords. Yes, that's what the fun is. Participate in our uh, little community there, the channels and all that stuff there. Uh, yeah. If you have been on the discords, then you will know that uh, our good friend of the show, David, quasi showrunner, producer thing, yeah. uh, whatever his title is, he yep. apparently grumbled that last week, Brent, yeah. you and I did yeah. not give him a dupe a dupe because. He uh, he said that his prediction was within tolerance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we uh, we got into a, we got into a faux uh, argument about that because uh, he had to remind me that he said that it was a five, and then plus one for blah, which I took to mean that the plus one was integrated into the score, which but I did as well. But he but he meant it that that turned it into a six, and then he decided to then throw in a tolerance of plus or minus one chevron to which of course our sevens were within tolerance. So I say that uh, that David does deserve dupes, but he deserves dupe dupes within tolerance. Yeah. Uh huh. So you ready to yeah. give some dupe dupes within tolerance? Uh, I, I I'm waiting for this. Okay. Okay. David, you got it right. Do 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 do. Get it? Because it's plus or minus a oop a doop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh so my gosh, while, I while, myself while I, I d uh, desperately love all of your all <laughs> assistance and, and, and ways of gaming the system, uh -huh, uh -huh. the doop a doops come when <laughs> you predict a specific number. Well, two specific numbers. Yes. And those two specific numbers are correct. Yes. And so and and I will say this. Keep in mind that you are throwing your predictions at a person who really likes being specific about the rule set and another person who really enjoys introducing chaos into rule sets. Just saying. Just just yeah. know that. Just understand that when you're doing this. So then then you'll have a fine time. So just a, just a clarification, Brent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which one of those two is me and which one is you? You know, this is where it gets interesting. I always assume you're the former, but now that I'm really thinking about it, it's not that you introduce chaos. No, you don't introduce chaos. You introduce um, exploitation. 
<laughs> you're like okay so the rule says this these are the words that the rule says right yep mm -hmm, uh -huh. the words say this yeah yeah that's right so that means i could do that <laughs> oh i didn't think they had that in mind zach <laughs> Well, so so I, I in in role playing I do one of two things. So sometimes I do other things too. But but in this particular context, I do one of two things. I either a uh, figure out what the rules actually intend, yes, and then figure out the way uh, to use that to my own advantage, or I read the words as written mm -hmm. and realize that they wrote in a loophole and oh, I yeah. exploit that. Oh yeah. Oh, no, I love doing that, too. Friends, okay, tangent time. One time we were uh, playing a, a Star Wars, I think it was, I think it was still Saga Edition we were playing, and um, uh, Zach was GMing it, and uh, I was playing the healer, because nobody wants to play the healer, and I'm a good sport. But, right, being a combat medic, you, you, and if you're if you're in a big campaign, you want to make it fun. So, you know, you, you take some skills in Blaster, maybe a skill in computers, just so that you have something to do. Otherwise, you're just standing there waiting for people to get hurt. But... Like the skill tree was like surgeon or something. And, you know, you get a whole lot of awesome things when you do that. Maybe it was fifth uh, fantasy flight. Doesn't matter. Uh, Zach's big, big, bad, evil guy <clears throat> did a forced doohickey on my character, right? The healer and turned him into a thrall. And um, he, and he said, <laughs> he said something like, I want you to heal me or want you, you know, something like that. Right. And so the guy then takes, I think he takes some damage or something, or he is damaged when he says this to, to, to my character. And I don't want to help the big, big, bad, evil guy, Brent. Right. You know, I don't want to do that at all. And Zach's sitting there like, ha ha ha. You're going to have to help the big, big, bad, evil guy. And so I said, I was sitting there like, how can I not help him? How can I not help him? How can I help him, but not help him? I've got it. And so my character busts out his like surgeon's kit and attempts to put the big, bad, evil guy to sleep as in like knock him out with anesthesia for surgery or something. Right. Cause that's his thing. Zach, as soon as I say this, Zach turns to me and his eyes just grow both icy, but with admiration. It was one of those things of like, yeah, you got me. Yeah, yeah. you got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was Fantasy Flight Star Wars. Oh, it was uh, so much fun. Oh. So much fun. Yeah, and, that was a good moment. I was just like, oh, uh, it was brilliant, Brent. It oh was yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And, and, I, I and it didn't it. work. You know, like we had to do opposed roles, and the BBEG succeeded. It didn't work, but <laughs> he didn't get stuck with the sim uh, stim pack. That was for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that, that's that's true. Yep. Uh, in any case, the, the, the tangent is now... Oh, yeah, we're, we're a Stargate podcast. Yeah, yes. So mm -hmm. if you want to buy us a coffee or whatever it is that Brent figures out with this cool app, I guess it is called the Buy Me A Coffee app it's, or, yeah, or, yeah, or it's, whatever. Yeah, it's anyway, that's right. You can do that by going to WTTS.space. Space! Or walking through the Stargate.com. Yeah, I had to... I, I'll double check to make sure that still worked. Um, I've got, like... Uh, they're called certs. What am I trying to actually say? Um, they're security things. Whatever. One of the certs expired, and I think I got it fixed. But yes, walking through the stargate.com should work too. Okay. Um, and then then you can get on and do all of the fun things. Yep. So Brent. Yes. With all of those fun things and tangents aside. Oh yeah. Are you ready to dig into this episode, Childhood's End? Yes. Let's get into it. Okay. So. Brent, the director for this episode is David Winning. David Winning? Wow. David okay. Winning. He is clearly winning. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken uh, dinner. 
Yeah, exactly. But now this is his only directing credit for Atlantis. Oh, huh. Uh, okay. Incidentally, it's also his only Stargate directing oh. credit. Huh, okay. Um, but since this is his first one, I did do a little bit of research. Um, he has done, this is according to the IMDb something or another, uh, he's got 45 <laughs> feature films, 29 series, over 180 TV credits. Mm-hmm. He is a U.S. and Canadian uh, film director and producer. Mm-hmm. He has done things in sci-fi and horror and drama and action and theatrical releases and movies of the week and episodic stuff and romances and westerns and Christmas movies and comedies wow. and family and kid series and live audience multicam things and, and situation comedies and web-based wow. things and all the things. Yeah, he's been, wow, yeah. He's done a lot of things. He's done a lot of things. But this is the only thing in the Stargate world that he's done. Okay. So, uh, now his first directing credit, according to IMDb, came in the year 1977, which is a good year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wrote the short The Visitors. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Uh, which is about a thief who encounters images of himself during a break and enter. Oh, interesting. Wow, that's an interesting story idea. Yeah. Uh, so I have no idea if that still exists anywhere other than it's credited on IMDb. So there you go. Oh, that's so funny. Well, that, that, uh, like, because that's like, I guess it'd be like a psychological thriller, right? Where the where the where where suddenly the the person who's breaking and entering into the house is the one that we have sympathy for, because the yeah. other family or the other person clearly has been stalking them. So ah. I looked online, and I think it's just a one-person show. So it's mm-hmm. just him. So something happens within that house that he enters that now he is having an existential crisis within his own brain while uh, he's trying to steal their goods or something, oh, which still sounds interesting. House. He's breaking into his own house. That's, that's the twist. Sure. We'll run with that. Jimmy, why are you up? What? <laughs> now, the teleplay for uh-huh. Childhood's End is by Martin Garrow. And this is a name that we haven't talked about much, but it is a name that is very important to Stargate world. Okay. He is um, one of the executive producers. I think at this point in time, he's like a co-executive producer or something like that uh, for Atlantis. But he's done a whole bunch of producing uh, for both Atlantis and SG-1 uh-huh. for okay. forever. Gotcha. Um, he, uh, this is his first of six writing credits this season. So mm-hmm. this is the point where he becomes pretty significant within the writer's room and getting teleplay credits and writing credits and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, he will go on to have 32 writing credits in Atlantis total. Okay. Nice. Which is huge because there's only like 100 episodes of the series. Yeah. That's a lot. So he's got a lot, his fingers in this. Uh, as I was looking through things, he is also, uh, as of 2022, the showrunner for the new Quantum Leap series. Oh, hey, fun. Yeah. That's nice. And as I was looking through his directorial debut, he did a whole bunch of other stuff before this, but his directorial debut, uh, I don't know, yeah, this uh, came in uh, 2007 mm-hmm. when he directed the movie Young People uh, Bleeping. Oh, uh, Young People uh, Skating. Young People not skating. I mean, unless skating is a euphemism for something else. Then Young people uh, studying. Yes. 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 No. But yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I mean, Young I mean, they, they were they were definitely practicing. Singing. They're they singing. were practicing things. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this, this this went on to become one of the highest grossing English language Canadian films of all time, staying in theaters for over fourteen weeks. Apparently, people really like the Von Trapp family. Oh well, wow, you know, that was a bad joke! Holy cow, that was a bad joke! Oh no! <laughs> It's a bad joke because the title of the story of the movie is actually something completely like everybody knows what the title is. And I just made a Van Trapp, fan, Van Trapp, whatever. Bad, 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 bad. Okay, carry on. So, Keep moving. Um, as I have done up until this point, I've been talking, taking a little bit of time here to talk about each of the cast members of the, the main cast members of Atlantis. Yes. Today, I'm going to highlight David Hewlett, who plays Dr. Rodney McKay. Mm-hmm. Some of this, of course, will be a rehash of something that we talked about uh, years and years ago when we first met McKay in SG-1. But yes. he was born in 1968 in England. He is an actor and writer knowning for, known for The Swearing Jar, which is a brand new thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the Shape of Water, which is 2017. And, mm-hmm. of course, Stargate Atlantis. Um, mm-hmm. he's been married to Jane Lohman since 2008, so... Very nice. Very nice. Congratulations. Um, he went to high school with director Vincenzo Natali. Okay. Um, and I'm not certain I recognize that name, and he's appeared in five of Natali's movies. Oh, okay. And, uh, uh, he... David Hewlett also worked with actor Andrew Miller and suggested Miller to Natali for the 1997 movie Cube uh-huh okay yep uh a little tidbit uh david hewlett is a doctor who fan of course and his favorite doctor is tom baker oh well yeah that's a good one that's a good yeah. choice and his first imdb credit came in 1984 in the tv series the edison twins mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. played howard in the episode the delinquent uh-huh okay so um, we do have several guest actors that I want to make mention of for this episode. Mm-hmm. We have Courtney J. Stevens, who plays Karis. Yep. Uh, as we mentioned last week when we were watching the promo, uh, Stevens plays uh, Lieutenant Elliot in SG-1 in three episodes. One of them is yep. Proving Grounds, yep. and then Proving Ground. Uh, that's when we meet him, and then we also see him in... Um, Summit and the one that comes just before wow. Summit when when we go and Daniel goes undercover with the Gua-Wuld, uh Summit and then Anubis, which we don't yeah. know is Anubis, attacks the Toker yeah. base and yeah. Lantash and all of that stuff. Man, so memory. So if you want to know more about Courtney J. Stevens, go to those episodes and look mm-hmm. at them. So we also have Dominic Zampronia, uh, who plays Ares. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1979 in Ontario. Mm-hmm. He is an actor and producer known for Tin Star, mm-hmm. uh, Battlestar Galactica. That's where I recognized him from. Yeah, okay. Um, yep. He played the character of Jammer, uh, which is one of the deckhands in yes. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, and he's been on General Hospital for uh, quite a long time of recent years. Mm-hmm. He's been in over 1,200 episodes of general hospital wow that is where his bread and butter is isn't it yeah yeah now admittedly since general hospital being a soap opera runs oh, yeah. five days a week 1200 <clears throat> i mean that's still huge but you go, yeah you go through 1200 episodes pretty quickly at that pace but that's still uh, amazing yes it is 
Um, his first IMDb credit came in 1991 with the movie FX2, mm-hmm. uh, and he played the character of Chris Brandon. Chris Brandon, two first names. Yep, Chris Brandon. Uh, some of the kids that we have in this, and we have Sam Charles, he plays Casta, and then yeah. Jessica Amley plays Cleo. Those are the two kids that follow McKay yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have much to say about Sam Charles. He did a few things as a kid, and that's about it. Oh, okay. Uh, Jessica Amley, who plays Cleo, uh, I did find a mini bio for her on IMDb mm-hmm. by Anon. Anon? Anon. Is it over there, then? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's right here. Well, I mean, okay. Okay, I guess that, uh, I guess that works. You know, I'm just... So, this is what Anon has to say about Jessica. Okay. Jessica Amley is an actress known for television, Heartland, Greenhouse Academy, and film beneath Love Crimes of Gillian Guess. Hmm. Jessica started her career at a young age in Vancouver, Canada, where she was born. Jessica currently resides in Los Angeles, where she continues her studies in acting, both on screen and off. Okay. That's what Anon has to say about her. Um, Her first IMDb credit came in 2001, just a few years before this episode, Mm -hmm. in the TV series Mysterious Ways, where she plays the the, the the character Annie Owen in the episode Dead Dog Walking. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know anything of any of that. (coughs) Nope, neither do I. (laughs) Um, and then we have a couple of older kids that do have a few lines. We have Shane Meyer and Julie Patswald, who plays uh, Nellius and yeah. Elias. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, Real original. Yeah. Now, these two actors were we've actually seen in SG-1. They played Galen and Natha in the episode 100 Days. Oh, Okay. Huh. So there were a couple of those two teenage kids that sure. uh, ran around with Jack and and, yeah. and all that stuff that was, when he was trapped on that planet. So a, that was a few years ago now. That was that four, was four years. I think ago? that was season four. That was three or four. I can't remember yeah. exactly which. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the original air date for Childhood's End was August 13, two thousand four. Uh, this is the same date that uh, last week's episode Avatar aired. Yep. So all of those things are the same. Still apply. Still apply. Trivia. Trivia. So in this episode, Shepard asks Ford, how old are you, Ford? And Ford says he's 25. 25. Yeah. Well, Rainbow Son Franks was actually 25 at the time of filming. There you go. So there you go. He is playing his own age, which is kind of cool. Yep. Uh, The title of this episode is a reference to the book Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't read that book, and I didn't go into detail about that. So there you go. I don't know either, but yep, there you go. Um, Martin Garrow revealed that uh, the designation for this planet, uh, for childhood's end, is it named after his birthday. So the designation is M7G677. Uh-huh. And you have okay. M for Martin. Yeah. Seven is his birth month, July. Uh-huh. G for Garrow. Yeah. And you've got six, which is his birthday, July 6. Uh-huh. 77 is 1977. Hey, there so, you go. There you go. M7G677 is his birthday. Is that why uh, is that why Shepard wished him a happy birthday at the end of the episode? Sure. Yeah, that's why. Um, I, I Yeah. Um, now, one of the kids <laughs> has yeah. face paint that's kind of like wings over his eyes. Um, yeah. 
and that is to me reminiscent of the ultimate warrior oh the yeah wrestler from the 1980s yeah 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 Yep. Now, this kid does not have steroid-infused muscles that no. burst out of little bands around his biceps, um, uh, nor does he have quite the wild hair or quite the wild demeanor as the Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> but um, yes. nor, nor is he all oiled up for nah. the cameras. No. Um, so, in any case. Nor, nor is so, he jumping off the, jumping off the top, uh, top rope. That's true. Okay. You know, and going flying through the airs. Yeah. With his elbow, you know, whatever that pile driver thing, you know, yeah, bands no, flying and stuff. <clears throat> it was a spectacle. <clears throat> it, it, it was something. Uh-huh. 1980s wrestling. I mean, I, I haven't seen professional wrestling at all, really, in the last 20 years. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Um, but when I was young in the 1980s and and uh, early 90s i would watch some of the wwf before the the uh the wildlife federation yelled at them and says you can't use our letters <laughs> yes and Did so I- they changed it to several other things until now it's wwe wwe <clears throat> uh, in any case that I went to a uh, professional wrestling match, but it was a, like a much, it's like, you know, going to minor league baseball is what I went to, basically. This was four years ago now, I guess. I think I might okay. have mentioned it on the show. I, but I think I think I remember you mentioning it, whether it was on the show or not. But I remember it you mentioning it. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. First off, like the size of the crowd wasn't really that much. I think there may be than 100 of us in there. And it had a full-size ring in the little, the little auditorium. Most of the people that were there were like, regular fans so they knew all the they knew all the the characters basically and their sticks and when every every one of these wrestlers came on like you know they had their little fan group it was it was a hoot and then the thing the thing i actually found most impressive about it is that it's just stunt work right we all know it's stunt work but watching stunt work be performed live right in front of you is still extremely impressive yeah right Watching yeah. people throw themselves at each other in controlled ways that make it look like like the, oh it was a hoot. I had so much fun. So that's a long way of saying that if you have a chance to actually watch this stuff, especially in person, no joke, you should probably take it. There you go. Uh, I do have one more little piece of trivia here. Yes. Um, near the end of the episode, uh, there's sort of a crossbow-like weapon that is used to shoot Karis, right? When he gets yes. shot in the shoulder. Uh, well, that is the same um, prop that was used by the Warriors of Juna in the episode Double Jeopardy in SG-1. Hmm. So Double well, Jeopardy, if you recall, is the one when we have a return to the uh, robot versions of SG-1. Oh, Right? Yeah. This okay. is when Cronus gets killed, and they oh get a ship gosh. for all of an episode um, oh before my gosh. That was they crash into the sea. history. Man, Cronus was a cool character, and he did not last for long at all. No. No, he ah. didn't. <laughs> uh, but he did some pretty cool things for the few episodes that we saw him. Oh, well, yes, but... And, and, and those luscious locks he's got. He's got some hair. Yeah, speaking of hair, <clears throat> we're, back to, we're back to the Ultimate Warrior. Yep, there you go. Now, this episode, Childhood's End, in other languages, mm-hmm. it has different names. The Russians call it Childhood's End. The Czechs... Also call it childhood's end. Uh huh. The Hungarians call it the childhood's end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the French call it the end of innocence. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And the Germans. Yeah. They call it self-sacrifice. Uh, yeah, but no. 
right? Like the Germans are notorious for kind of like, you know, like having the end of the story in their in their title. There well, was no there was no sacrifice. Well, you know, Karis did sacrifice himself for Shepard. He didn't end up dying, but he sac- so. you know. Yeah. Uh, um anyway. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yes, I'm ready. Let's go. Right. Let's do this. Here we go. Do you recognize this place? Yeah. Yes, maybe. I don't know. It kind of looks like the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, the team is flying around this kind of like Pacific Northwest planet when suddenly Shepard loses control of their puddle jumper and crashes. Oh, no. Oh, no. It doesn't take long before they realize that magnets disabled their ship. (laughs) How do they work? Magnets. Uh, not only was their ship disabled by magnets, but all of their other electromagnetic devices were disabled as well. Fortunately, their guns don't use EM, and so you can still shoot people. So, sure can. no team. They start wandering around for the cause of their calamity, and they discover a village. But Brent, this is no ordinary village. Mm-hmm. No, this village does not have any members older than 25. In fact, they soon learn that there is a law in this place that at the age of 25, they must ritually kill themselves. And they do this because they believe that this keeps the wraith from bothering with their planet. Mm -hmm. The wraith apparently only want to suck the life out of full-grown adults. They're picky that way. Mm -hmm. Karis, who will turn 25 the next day, is their leader. And he is more accepting and gracious to the old fogies of the Atlantis team (laughs) than some of the other elders of the tribe. Karis gives the team the time to figure out how to get their ship working again. On the other hand, Ares, who is next in line for the leader, uh, is far more suspicious of those who violate their laws. Every moment they are in the village is another moment they are not safe from the wraith. Yeah. So Rodney discovers that there is, in fact, a shield that is causing the electromagnetic field that was disabling all of their stuff. In addition, this field is powered by a ZPM. Hooray! A zero point module, the thing that powers the Atlantean stuff, and this will save the day. Rodney begins to salivate all over the ZPM. It gets so wet and gross with all of them. That that doesn't quite happen that way. But he he does get really excited about this. And he turns the device off, and he takes the ZPM, and he goes back to Atlantis to check it out. Now, Shepard is far more circumspect about this whole thing. He insists that McKay be really quick about this. It doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right to him to take this community's only real defense against the Wraith. Yes, they believe that their self-sacrifices are what saves the day. But in fact, it's not that. It's the shield. Yep. Back in Atlantis, McKay realizes that this particular ZPM is nearly depleted. Bummer. Weir forces him to acknowledge that the ZPM, therefore, means more to the childhood planet than it does to Atlantis, and she tells him to return it. On the planet, Shepard and Karis talk about stuff. Karis doesn't really want to kill himself, but he will if necessary. He asks Shepard to stand with him through the death ceremony thing, Yep, I guess. 
Uh, during the ceremony, Shepard and Taylor discover a wraith device in the shrine to what was and is no more has been sending a signal. Oh, no. Oh, no. Most likely, it began sending that signal 500 years ago, but it has been dampened by the shield for all that time. And once McKay turned off the shield, the device began transmitting again. Ah! So Shepard immediately goes into action. He shoots the device several times to disable it. Yes. Unfortunately, the children, especially Ares, are furious with this. Shepard, a full grown, has desecrated their shrine. This is yet another sign that they must leave or be killed. But Karis convinces them that he'll escort them away from the tribe, and when he returns, they can finish the ceremony. Yes. Okay. So do this later. McKay returns, he puts the ZPM back, but he needs time to figure out how to actually turn the device back on. He thinks maybe he kind of broke it, but he's not sure. (laughs) Now, while this is happening, some kind of wraith probe arrives. It's this big circle thing that's flying through the air, and it begins poking around trying to figure out what's going on. Arius decides then that he will likely need to kill the full-growns to save his own people. There's a standoff at the puddle jumper. Karis gets shot with an arrow, protecting Shepard. Uh, Karis is protecting Shepard when he gets shot by an arrow. Yes. The wraith probe is disabled when Kay finally gets the device turned on again. And since McKay was able to extend the shield by a whole lot without using a whole lot of extra energy from the ZPM, the villagers no longer have to kill themselves when they reach 25. The end! The end! Hooray! Brent? Yeah? Childhood's end. Uh Uh-huh. What'd you think? So, what I think, I thought that, um, I thought that the story was doing, was doing that, I'll talk about the bad stuff first. I thought that the story was doing that thing that is pretty obvious that stories like this have to do, which is uh, take an issue which has a lot of sides to it and things to consider, and it because it has to tell it in a 43 minute television uh, story that it ends up like making shortcuts with some things like, um, Oh golly. I was remembering the shortcuts as you were reading the synopsis. And now I'm kind of like kind of blanking on them a little bit because I really want to talk about the good stuff. Um, There were, there were, there were parts about the story, which were, which were conveniently glossed like, uh, some some things. Gosh, I wish I could get, remember more specifics. Uh, something about their culture that like was mentioned, and then uh, you know you have to take it as 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 wrote that that that's what it was. Eh, forget it. Let's talk about the good stuff. I really thought that they did a weirdly good job with this with this topic. It, this wasn't a flawless episode by any stretch. The ending had to be the ending that it was because you know you got to wrap it up. Like, um, <clears throat> and they decided not to kill anybody. So you know, there you go. Um, you know the the uh, uh, the 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 whole setup at the front end of the thing, I thought was going to be another sort of like bonk bonk. Uh, you know how how do you convince a group of people who are clearly wrong about something that they're wrong about something? And I was really pleasantly surprised when uh, McKay br- came back to uh, to Atlantis. And Weir was talking with him. This is just after the halfway point, right? And mm-hmm. um, she, you know, brings in the 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 aspect of, are you so sure that they are as idiotic as you think they are? And 
I was surprised to see that kind of question because I was asking that question at the at myself. I was expecting this episode to be another one of those moments where there's clearly a right answer and our heroes are going to be saying that clearly right answer. And the, the, the townsfolk are clearly incorrect because they believe that they are spraying tiger repellent on them. Just look around. Do you see any tigers? It's clearly working. Um, and, you know, we know the truth. We have the ability to understand what's really happening. And therefore, these people are just backwards. And uh, and then halfway through, it got introduced to the notion of, well, OK, number one, um, this is these are their beliefs. This is their system. You know, who are we to be interjecting ourselves into their system? Something that I've taken umbrage with, uh, you know, a number of times in Stargate. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about Star Trek um is like yeah sometimes it stinks not intervening but guess what you don't have the answers all the time right so quit quit assuming that you do and then the question of maybe the suicide pact isn't as stupid as you think it is now uh, this is where the story i think out of just a tad bonk bonk it was it was rational it was very rational that they in that the society interjected the suicide pact as a part of their religion in order to stave off overpopulation and therefore um, susceptibility to the wraith. And so like it it was it was still a little brutal, but it was it was definitely plausible. It was a thing that said, you know, just because when you first take a look at this thing, it sounds horrible doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have its reasons. I loved that. And, you know, contrast that with at the very beginning where I really thought we were going to be talking about like euthanasia. I thought that what we were going to be talking about is, um, you know, an individual who decides to end their life and what situations would warrant that decision. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, it, you know, using the guise of of religion, which can be really, really tender like not tender in the good way, just tender in the like, you know, it's really easy to screw up. Um, uh, but explore this conversation in the form, in the framework of who has a right to decide whether somebody else lives or dies. Right. Um, that's a really, really touchy subject. Uh, and I love touchy subjects like this, right? I love this stuff. That's really tough to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it wasn't, it didn't turn out to be that because midway through we got to this point of, uh, perhaps there's a reason for this. And I thought that was brilliantly done. Uh, the, the story itself was, um, fine. The, the, the way that it examined the question I thought was pretty good. And then how it resolved was okay. It was, it was, it was fine. Um, you know, a little bit of faux tension in the form of like, you know, did McKay break it? You know, oh, no, he didn't. Um, a little bit of tension, you know, like the the, the, the kids monologuing, monologue, 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 monologue. Look, you're either going to shoot the guy with an arrow or you're not like like <laughs> we should have killed you long ago. Why are you not doing it then? Because the story demands that I stand here and talk some more. Um, you know, that felt kind of like filler. That tension wasn't really that good. It just it just felt like time wasting. But, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, the big happy ending felt a little bit cheesy, but, you know, okay, I can deal. Uh, the, the, the repercussions. Oh, yeah, this was something that was about the story that I thought was a little bit peculiar. Uh, you're telling me that your senior elder is senior for like all of, I don't know, 
three months before they <laughs> before they're off. Because if it's if it's succession by age, right? Like right. let's say that your society's having, you know, let's just make it easy for simple math: a baby a month. That means that you know your senior is only senior for one month before they're done, and then it's on, and then 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 the next one's up. Um, that seems like a really unstable situation. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like it would lend itself well at all to anything. Um, and the, the uh, you know, and therefore some of the stuff that they had to do in order to try to make this like child society, like look like it's actually working um, just felt a little trite, right? Like the two little kids, they were cute enough. Oh man. Okay. Sorry. I'm ping ponging a little bit. Um, I'm very glad that the story took a beat to show Rodney McKay hearing information that he hadn't considered before and listening and reflecting. That's happening, you know, with the conversation with Weir. Right. Yep. And, and and I think thereafter, like a couple of more times, like I'm really, really glad that they showed that because the start of this episode was McKay from SG1 and I hate expletive hated it like like him talking about samantha carter and then getting all like mm, mm, so yes mm, you lovely i'm like oh gross don't remind me of that and then his like attitude with the kids was just setting me off it was just like dude dude you are literally a horrible person right now <laughs> like <laughs> genuinely bad you sir are the problem in this situation and uh you know, so I was not happy with that character moment. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is episode five or six or something like that of the season, season one, um, uh, having character uh, development that's a little bit like uh, mismatched or misplaced doesn't make me I'm not worried about that because they might have intended this episode to be earlier. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so they shoot it and they're like, uh, yeah, all right, I need you to be jerk face McKay. Got it. I could be jerk face McKay. Right. So, you know. So it, it, it was just a little bit like, oh, no, I'm going to have to put up with an episode of him being a, a, a complete and bad person. And the answer is no, not really. <clears throat> um, he was showing reflection and growth even within this episode. And so in that regard, I thought that was pretty good. I, I actually liked that quite a lot. So this one was like I, I had a fine time with it, but it was like a tale of two stories almost with one kind of mediocre story kind of over the whole thing. <laughs> the first half. I thought I was going to be talking about something that I really wanted to talk about, but it was going to be controversial. The second half, no, it, it it asked the question that I wanted to kind of have asked right there at the front. And a major character took it to heart and thought about it for a minute. And turns out, even though it's convenient, because it has to be television storytelling, the reason why this existed was for, uh, you know, it was rational, but it was definitely subsurface you're telling me that these kids these kids who'd never aged past the age of 24 for 500 years went along with this every single time you know and he says well if if if, if it came to it we could we could force uh, we could force the sacrifice you know we could be i know persuasive. what that means we could be persuasive is what he said yeah so you know it, it just seems like mm, i don't think it would probably last that long before somebody had it in their head that this was a bunch of horse pocky because uh, teenagers are notorious for taking what you tell them and then say, how about we do opposite that for a while and see what happens? Like, that's just the way it is. Uh, so, you know, in that regard, it didn't really hold a whole lot of water. But you know what? It set itself up enough to ask a good question and to explore that good question in a way that I felt was a bit more satisfying than what I was expecting. And then it ended fine. So 
I had a fine time with it. But what about you? What did you think about this episode? So, I I have mixed feelings about this episode. Yeah. It was fine. I just, what what bugs me about this episode that I just get caught up on is how easily it wraps itself up. Oh, yeah. And, and I just, it takes me out of the story. No, you, you mentioning that moment of, of Rodney and McKay, he's like, and McKay, and, and Weir's like, <laughs> now listen. Yeah. Here's A, here's B, let's find C, and we'll, yeah. let, let's take you over to C. And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought about C. Right. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So, yeah. So, you know, so that growth of McKay is great. I love that. That's that's mm-hmm. that's a really great moment. And I think I agree with you at the beginning bringing up that stuff um about how he was all like and me and Sam and did all these cool things way back then um was kind of a way to say remember that jerk face back there where yeah. we're going to intentionally ex- let this guy grow even while he remains that arrogant sob that we love, yeah, sure. Well, well <laughs> that we want I, you to love. I, I yeah, yeah. I definitely like you know cocked my head, looked off to the side, and was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, now you know we'll we'll see. I'm curious to see how your opinion of McKay evolves over time, um, sure. because and I think we've had this conversation. Uh, this is a character that the fan base. Um, has really grown to appreciate and love. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, I don't think they, they like forgive him his arrogance, but we see a depth of character that happens over time that really uh, has resonated with the audience. Mm-hmm. So I'll be cool. I'm curious to see how your opinion of him uh, evolves over time and if you yep. develop that or if you just kind of stick there and you know whatever <laughs> we'll see um and it doesn't really matter you know you you do you and and but it's, i'm curious to see what, how that happens yeah. uh, so that, that, that's a nice moment um you know the you have this this question of suicide yes um and and ritual suicide and you know just like and and then we get the main character karis say you know what i'm I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. And that's as far as it goes. Yep. We don't get any more of that, which, you know, okay, this isn't Battlestar Galactica. This is Stargate Atlantis. And they do things differently. They, 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 they name things, but they don't wrestle with things as explicitly mm-hmm. as I would like, um, with a few exceptions. Um, but then, what? This is what what pulls me out of the whole thing and just just kills it for me, is that at the end we have a throwaway line from McCasey. Yeah, I was able to expand the range of the shield. Yeah, and and not using a whole lot of extra energy, and so it's good. And so now you don't have to kill yourself at twenty five. And like, you sure everybody will be okay with that? And he's like, Yep, we're all good. Yeah. I'm like, where is Ares in this? There is no way Ares is okay with this plan. Right. None. There is there's no also, way he makes that shift. And there's also no way that their society makes that shift. If, if, if we have to take it as written that they are fine with a society ruled by elders and a senior elder by age who rotates like that, you can't tell me that suddenly 
uh, I can't remember the character's name already. Like, the, you know, senior elder. He's going to be senior elder now for how many more years? 50 years? Everyone's going to be cool with that? No. Yeah. You see, you know, the, the and that just. Yeah. You know, I see what. See, and this, this is why it kind of why it falls apart for me, because they didn't talk about the questions of what does it mean for society built on suicide? Yeah. Um, in, in this capacity. Uh, and they just wipe it under the rug at the end and says, because they didn't want to be ugly and they didn't want Karis or anybody else to actually go through killing themselves. Yes. On the show. Um, because that would be gruesome and, you know, even, even if it is, you know, uh, cleaned up and, and sanitized, sure. it'd still be yeah. gruesome. Uh, they don't want that. And so they just, it, it I, 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 the, it doesn't work that way. Yep. It just doesn't work that way. And and it so doesn't work that way that it takes me out of it in that I moment. Thought, I thought that the question... So the reason why I'm so positive about this one is that I didn't think that the question was about uh, a society with the, a society governed with through suicide as much as... Well, I mean, that's what it was on the surface. I was interested in talking about the... Um, the conversation we've talked about this before of what makes a society's decisions right or wrong, right? This is a society that has made a decision. Sure. We hate it, right? We hate it. <clears throat> we have a diff- very different society. Shepard says as much. Yeah. We value life almost above all else. Um, and I was wanting to explore the question again of at what point does a society's decisions, um, at what point can we feel good about intervening in a different society when they have different uh norms and i have a very strong very like star trek prime directive like arm's length like you don't and you hate it and you don't feel good about that decision but you recognize that we have as much um agency over what we believe is the right thing for a society to do as they have with theirs and they've come to a different conclusion and we don't like it we hate it we can't be friends like that's an okay thing too right you don't have to like everybody and uh i was very appreciative that that stargate version of the prime directive got vocalized and was brought to the fore and thought about and then given a little bit of meat, it was it was um, I'm fine with wrestling with a with a philosophical question that doesn't have an answer. This one had an answer. This one, the story told us why they do it. I'm OK with wrestling with the question and not having a why they did it. But like this one did like they're like, yeah, there was a reason why they did it. It was for population control. And it does, then feeds itself nicely in the way too wrapped up ending which is McKay standing there smiling, going, yeah, for the price of just a tiny bit more power, uh, I was able to increase your coverage area by 50%, which is not nothing. That's meaningful. Um, you know, so, you know, go ahead and have as many babies as you want. And I'm like, mm. well, that's 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 exactly my point there, Brent. That that That's I mean, like all of that is true. And I agree with that. And I really appreciate the conversation between Weir and McKay where you yeah. really get the the wrestling and you're figuring out 
you know, the shield is what pr- protects them. But what does the shield and the suicide pact have to do with each other? How are yes. they connected? And it's population control, because if they get too big, blah, 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 all of that stuff. McKay, at the end, says, I have increased the shield by 50%. So now yep. you don't have to start killing yourself. 50% right. is not nothing. It's a big deal. But yeah. it's a finite number. It is. And humans breed like rabbits. Yes. I mean, not quite, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Without something else, 50% increased land space of safety does not change the system. Well, I was totally willing to buy the implication that our heroes aren't going to just leave this planet forever. Atlantis may. We may never come back to this place ever. Um, But... The sort of the the wink and the nod on this one was we're going to increase. Well, no, it wasn't. I mean, how how hard would it have been to put a line in the script, something to the tune of like, yeah, we boosted your we boosted your shield area a little bit and, you know, we'll be right back. Once we once we figure out like we are optimists, humanity is definitely optimistic. That's for sure. And this group of heroes are also um realists and optimists there really aren't very many pessimists like like um i don't think that mckay is a pessimist at all i think he's a realist like <clears throat> but we are the story is operating on hope we are hoping and working hard to find more zpms we are hoping and working hard to uh create a meaningful resistance against this new enemy that we've found. We are hoping and working hard to completely render it impossible for them to find earth, right? There's, 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 there's many things in this life. So I don't think it's impossible to throw in a line that basically says something like, uh, you know, good news. The reason why you were safe was because of this thing. Better news, you've now made friends with a group of people that are actively searching through this galaxy to find resources to keep this little temporary solution and turn it permanent. And right? that's what we didn't get. And we didn't get that also, line. That's right. The end of this episode throws a wet blanket over Weir's comment. Weir's comment mm. to uh, to uh mckay is you don't have to like it but you have to understand it and respect it that's what she does she's like this zpm means way more than them than it does to us and all of these things are interconnected things don't happen uh isolated from each other in a society everything is interwoven some things you get weird and you're like huh Right, but there's a reason for things to happen, and this is it. And at the end, we immediately say, "Hey, that a reason that you had to do this and all of that stuff, it, it, it doesn't matter. Now you can be just like me." That's what it says, and it just yeah. takes me out of the story. Yep. And I maybe I should, maybe I should be more forgiving, but I, uh, I have a tough time with this episode to be forgiving. No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't necessarily see that as a as a no. Okay, for two reasons, no. One, three reasons. One, this is um, television entertainment. Yep. Right? Um, it is uh, It is uh, popular art. And um, art, art is criticized. That's what it is. Like, it's, it's, 
you know, when it's, you know, people can be harsh and personal and attacking in their criticism. They can also be thoughtful and engaging and, and conversational with their critiques, but uh, art is criticized. And so this television entertainment, popular art is being criticized. Like you don't have to sit there and, 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 and soft pad it. You find um, meaningful, avoidable problems with this story and you're calling and you're just calling it out. And why, why then, why, why critique art? Why, why say that? Why, why do it like that? Um, it, in my opinion, it's because somebody listening right now wants to go into television and they want to tell good stories and listening to thoughtful critiques helps us do it better, helps us appreciate this is this is this is um, uh, <laughs> this is liberal arts in a nutshell here, friends. <laughs> like this is why you get a liberal arts degree is because it teaches you how to think and you sit there and you and you contemplate and you understand how why does art work in its time? You know, why do you think that? I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but, you know, why, friends, do you think that we talk about this? And we talk about what was going on in the world at the time. And we talk about, you know, you know, trying to examine it within its own framework. It's because, you know, you take a piece of art and you put it in a different timeline and it doesn't it doesn't work the same way. It might work just as well, but it doesn't work the same way. And so, you know, this is a TV show and it's talking about a sensitive topic and the sensitive topic that it wanted to talk about. I think the sensitive topic was not really suicide, but it was more prime directive. Like, I, I think that's what it was. It was using suicide as its really effective hook, right? Like a society of children and their children because they ritually participate. They participate in ritual suicide on the eve of their 25th birthday. We are supposed to feel reviled by that information, not reviled. We are supposed to be we are supposed to revile it. We are supposed to feel um like that's terrible. That's on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's doing. It's doing that on purpose. And that's okay. That's good that 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 is using cultural norms as those as the device for tension. I'm coming la la lying in, Captain Philosopher Pants, and am saying things like isn't it intriguing about the society that has made these choices? How are we able to differentiate ourselves against the society and which one is right? I love thinking about that stuff. And then Weir gave me that, right? Weir gave me the prime directive. Hey, yeah. just because it makes you deeply uncomfortable doesn't mean it's without purpose and doesn't mean it has to stop. This is a, this is a differentiation between SG-1 and Atlantis right here. SG-1 kind of says that. They kind of say, uh we probably shouldn't do something here, but they more often than not do something there, right? right. Um, you and I had a version of this conversation with that episode with the kids and the Naquita generator and learning curve. Thank you. That's the one, right? We basically had this exact same conversation back then, <clears throat> and we've had it in other in other contexts too. I love that kind of question. I really do, but not everybody does, and. So television art, right? So, 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 so we are being, we're being critics. We're being, we're critiquing it because we think we see a story path that asks a complex question, <clears throat> provides some answers to that complex question that doesn't necessarily answer it, but, but, but explores it a little bit further, does not blow up the story, 
does not require forcing people to uh, go down a path that is very difficult for some people to go through. Like some film will force you down that path and is jarring. It's very upsetting. That's the point. That's what that's what they're doing. They're doing that on purpose. TV shows don't do that. So we don't have to do that. And pays um, pays good homage to this question at large. And in brushing its hands at the end and being like, okay, we're done. Super convenient. It diminishes the good tension that it brought up earlier. Right? In McKay going, hey, I just solved all the problem for this entire episode by just uh, increasing the power consumption by 0.25%. Yeah, it'll burn out a little faster, but hey, now y'all get to enjoy your lives free from worry and no death. Hooray! Win-win for everybody. And Zach, you're rightly pointing out, no, 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 that wasn't the win. (laughs) The win was supposed to be, huh, we're going to come across people that we don't get and don't get us. And how do we deal with that? Right? We're going to come across societies that don't speak English, don't look like us, and don't share our morals. How do we deal? How do we engage with that? What does that tell us about ourselves? What can we learn from that experience? These are super great questions. So much fun. But this episode just kind of goes, eh, who wants to think about that? I don't know who does. I know. Let's just put a blanket on the top. That wet blanket was a great analogy. And next up, we will get you some more shooty, shooty sci-fi right here on the sci-fi channel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that, that covers it. (laughs) I thought we were going to talk about, I thought we were going to talk way more about this than, I mean, it's, we're already an hour in, so, you know, it's pretty good, but. So, I mean, it's, it's an episode that is fine. Um, Yeah. It, and, and I guess this is, this is what bugs me is that it, uh, it, 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 it's safe. It is safe. Right. It's safe. It's not, it's going to, and, and this is. And maybe I should give it some some respect because there are a lot of, as you mentioned, there are a lot of people out there who um, who aren't in a space where they can engage in things um, without a safety net. Yeah, for right? whatever reason. Uh, for whatever yeah. reason, and this this provides, if they choose, a little bit of space to think about this, and then immediately before things. Uh, get too serious, they pull back, and they're safe. And as much as that bugs the crap out of me, yeah, uh, I need to realize that there are a lot of people out there who who need that safety uh, harness, right? Me, uh, yeah, personally, that safety harness just just diminishes things, and in I, it feels to me that when you just do an episode of let's talk about this, whether it's a difference in cultural perception or whether it's a suicide pact or whatever, either of those are good conversations. Uh, sure. And then you wrap it up in a nice little bow that has no gore on it whatsoever at the end. Uh, it's safe and it diminishes the conversation. That's what it feels like to me. I should yeah. probably, and that's I'm, I'm still going to hold this accountable in my Chevron ratings for that reason. That said, I also need to recognize that this is as much as some people can handle. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. Totally. And, and that 
for that person for for you know th- this this gives them an opportunity to uh, brush against it to experience it um, without without uh, doing too much to you know overwhelm their system. Oh yeah. Um, but now I'm going to play opposite of myself again because this is what I do. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. And and this is and and part of this is what I run into in in my my work as a church person, right? I work as a church yep. person, and 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 the the language that we use in church people is theology, right? Yeah. And and theology is studying who God is and who we are and how we relate to God and how we relate yeah. to one another. And it yeah. is so easy, and so many people are so superficial with that. They're that that's that's unfair. It's, it's surface um, level. Um, yes. And and <clears throat> and. I find that that surface level um, does a disservice to the possibility of what theology in this situation can do for uh, sociology, for the and for psychology, for the individual individual person mm-hmm. and the society. Uh, theology mm-hmm. has a lot to say to that if we take the risk and delve in mm-hmm. and not be satisfied with pat, uh, happy answers. And when we are too afraid to get into that, uh, we often miss the boat and often cause harm to those we are trying to help. And so I have this tension between how can I engage you where you are and maybe you are in a place where, where this kind of, let's just kind of, tease it, but then go back into our safety, uh, you know, that makes sense. But at the same time, we also need to find spaces where we can stretch ourselves out of our safety. Yes. So that we can actually grow. Now, this... Are you done? I'm sorry. Sure, I can be done. This is where I then say, um, that's not what TV is for. And... (laughs) French, you're <laughs> killing me here. <laughs> <clears throat> but let us not forget, why should people vocally disagree with each other and actively speak their arguments in public forum? Um, why? Why should they do that? The reason is not to convince the person they're arguing against. Like way too many people think that that's what it is, that it's all about. They think that they're going to go on the online. They're going to have an internet argument. They're going to convince the other person that they're wrong. And they're going to do that through all sorts of weird little ways, like showing them that they're a complete idiot and la la la, whatever. No, that's not what you do it for. You do it so that the people who are watching the argument can make a decision. That's why you do it. So when you're having a one-on-one conversation with somebody, that's going to, I mean, you do you, but you know, like if you're having a one-on-one conversation with somebody who vehemently disagrees with you and you're hoping to convince them of your way of thinking, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time. If what you're doing is having a dialogue one-on-one in order to do your best to understand their point of view, and maybe they're in the same boat as you, nobody's going to be convinced, but Hey, now you've learned a thing or two. That's good. That's, I like that. If you are having a dialogue with somebody in a public forum, you're not trying to convince them you're correct. You're trying to convince the listeners that you're correct, right? So why does this have to do with TV? It's because this story is 
not for you and me, Zach. This one isn't for us. Part of the reason why I am totally fine with just giving my chevrons as I feel and not really caring a hoot about what other people think about it is that that's how we know we're different, right? Like, I want to hear why somebody feels differently about an episode. I do. It's not going to convince me. It sometimes does. But you're right. It's not necessarily going to convince me, but I want to hear it. I want to hear that and I want to understand it. And importantly, I want others to hear that too, because everyone needs a minute to hear the sides and then think about it themselves and say, actually, I agree with this person more than that person. But nobody's going to have that opportunity if those types of discussions aren't really being had. Asterisk, I don't think we live in a society that does a good job of this at all. It's just a bunch of yelling and name calling and trying to belittle each other. And it's, it's actually not productive. So that's but that's beside the point a minute. <clears throat> so bringing it back here now with this thing. Uh, Zach, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and again, I stand by the assessment. I think that this episode could have asked those questions in ways that were tough and interesting but not necessarily abandoning the majority of the people who were watching the show. I think they could have done it, right? You and I were talking about it. We were kind of acknowledging like these decisions of the story, they were bailing out too easily, right? They were taking the easy way out along the way here. You don't have to take the easy way out. People can handle it. You don't have to take the easy way out and you can still end on a happy ending. You can have a character die and still have a happy ending. This is possible. We've seen it done, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can have, uh, shoot, what's his name? You said it three times and I keep forgetting it. Karis. Uh, Karis. You can, ha- cause the other guy's Aris, right? Aries. Aries. Okay. Anyway, you can have Karis <clears throat> take an arrow to the lung for a new belief. You can have that death send shockwaves through the community so that they pause a minute and say, do we really want to go all in on the old ways when we have these new people telling us about a new thing? Right. Yep. And then you can have the story resolve with this group of people isn't quite ready to get rid of all of it, but they're definitely not going to be killing themselves today. Like there, we can have it be a moment of. We don't know what this is going to mean for the future, but we are seeing the beginnings of change now. You can do that. That's a happy ending. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't have to sit there and be all like, good news. You're going to be a grandpa and you're going to have 17 grandkids. Hooray. Like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and in being critical of the show in that way of saying, you don't need to tell that story. What I'm hoping is that you the listener who wants to write tv shows or 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 write stories in general or whatever like you don't have to give in to the cupcakes that people say they want they don't want cupcakes they want a hearty vegetable stew that's what they want but if you ask a person what do you want a cupcake or stew what are they going to say they're going to say cupcake they're going to say cupcake don't give them what they want give them what they need And how do you know what they need? You don't. You make some veggie stew and you say, here's my stew. Some people take it. Some people go, I don't want stew. And they go to your cup. They go to the cupcakes. You you, you don't know that. But if nobody is making stew, everyone's going to be eating cupcakes all the time. That's where the problem is. So if you're an artist and you want to make art and you want your art to matter, don't try to make your art matter. 
Try to make it substantial. Speak from your position. Speak with your authority and let the chips fall. Let the chips fall where they may, because that's just what it's going to be anyway. You try to make a cupcake. Nobody's going to care. Right. This episode, it went cupcake. It's not that good. It asked some great questions. I'm really excited for this conversation. I knew, Zach, you and I were going to dive into this thing with, some, with a knife and a fork because we see the meat and potatoes that are behind the scenes here. Indeed. Right. We're going after that stuff because we want to talk about that stuff. But this episode didn't go meat and potatoes. This episode went cupcake. And I, that's why it's like I'm surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. Right. That's what I led off with. Sure. I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did because it went cupcake with the whole thing. But the glimmer of hope that I got was Stargate Prime Directive. I liked that. I liked it a lot. It's like, yes, we're not always going to be the ones with the answers. So how do we deal with that? Loved it. Loved that part. But it was just a tiny part. It was a little itty bitty part of the whole thing. There you go. Okay. Soapbox over. I'm done. Go All right. My soapbox. I think that uh, we could continue, but oh, I yeah, think I that sure it's could. time to arrest this conversation. Yes. And, uh, suss out our specific Chevron ratings and go from there. Yep. Sure. So I ask you, Brent. Yeah. Childhood's end. Yeah. How many Chevrons will you give this episode? I thought that it did a weak sauce job asking an interesting question and it did a wonderful job pulling that weak sauce job out of a nosedive right there in the middle. And it gave you and me an opportunity to have a good conversation. But more importantly, it gave me a minute to talk about why critical thinking matters. And I love that. So I'm going to give this one a five out of seven. I think the story, like as itself, without the weird moment and without this conversation is like a three. Would I watch this one again? Uh, no, no, I probably won't. Um, it's 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 pretty boring. Uh, it's kind of a poor take on like the Lost Boys and a poor take on um, Lord of the Flies. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. it's it, it's mm -hmm. not that good. But Weir's question and the examination, McKay's growth within the within the episode, and the opportunity to talk about it with a good friend amongst other good friends on a subject that I really enjoy gave it a couple more chevrons. So five out of seven for me. What about you? So if I were to rate this episode on the enjoyability of the conversation that you and I had today. Yes. I would probably give it a seven because yeah. <laughs> this was an enjoyable conversation. Um, sure. I got a chance to think about some things. You uh, helped to enlighten me on other things. So I got to think about things in a new way, which is uh, maybe going to change my mind in the future. Maybe not. But it gives me a yeah, new uh, perspective on things. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sure. This conversation was a seven for me, but this episode is a three at best. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't give it anything more than that. <laughs> three, three's going to three. It, it's going to three. It's just, gonna it's, three. that's all it's, it's going to do is going to three. You know, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not a horrible episode. It's not just garbage, no. right? It doesn't try to do something and so fail utterly that it's not even worth the the digital ones and zeros that is it right? <laughs> it's not that there, there yeah. there's some value to this um and you know the, the conversation between weir and mckay is really where uh the the cutting edge of this episode lies uh and then we get to see some character growth from mckay which is also great but 
it's still wrapped up in a cupcake that is made with just way too much sugar for what way this too recipe, much sugar uh, uh, requires. Ugh. What are you hiding with all that sugar? Yuck. Exactly. So <laughs> three. Yeah. All right. There you go. Well, we have uh, some predictions. Yeah. How about you do the Facebooks? All right. Let then I'll me... do the discords and then you do the emails. We start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, firstly, wouldn't the direction of the gate be behind the ship, not in front of it, which is the way they walked? Eh, fair enough. I took that to be that they did a, like a spinny do or they return it, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. But but it also crossed my mind of like, where's the gate? behind you <laughs> yeah. that that way how convenient for the plot that our main guest star is due to be sacrificed when our team arrives uh-huh yep <laughs> oh look an alien device hidden by leaves cool no one noticed that yeah. before no leaves They're kids. on top hiding it never die yeah <laughs> yep okay karis didn't seem surprised by seeing the device yeah uh, I recognize Crossbow Villager from SG-1 Metamorphosis. Oh, yeah, that's true. There was another villager from uh, Metamorphosis that I saw. Okay. Um, uh, a random noise in the sky that none of the villagers have heard in their lives. It's the Wraith! Really? Uh, yeah, 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 that's good. At the end, at the end, the shield is back on, but the team go in the puddle jumper as though they're leaving. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. It's an okay episode with a decent enough story, but it's not executed very well and is full of simple errors. It's a five Chevron episode as it's rewatchable at least a few times. Plus, the Wraith have a giant snitch, i.e. Harry Potter. Oh, yes. As their yes, probe. that's right. Yes. Uh, Sean predicts a five for Brent. Oh, yes, that's correct. And he predicts a five from me. Oh, close-ish. Close-ish. So but incorrect. Close. Then we have yes. Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. This episode is fine. Not great, but not bad either. Uh, pretty in the middle. Uh, as I was in this middle of the road zone, I took some notes. Uh-huh. Number one, I'm getting a very Lost Boys feeling here. And no, yep. not the crappy vampire movies. The <laughs> Peter Pan type of no. Lost Boys. Yes. Yep. Yes. Number two. Okay, I take it back. I'm getting a Children of the Corn meets Swiss Family Robinson vibe. Uh, yeah, okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Number three, <clears throat> Karis is looking older than 24 by quite a bit. He's already got a receding hairline, and as Zach already mentioned, this is not the first time we've met this actor. That's true. This, um, is, this is true. Now, that said, I have had friends who, by their mid-20s, were receding hairlines and such. So, Hey, you know, look, being leader of the villager for, like, three weeks is really stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was four and a half, Brent. Come on. <laughs> My mistake. Number four. Those kids are really annoying. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they are, were annoying. They are McKay, kids. McKay was worse. M- McKay is, is exactly what you would expect somebody who is ill-equipped to handle and navigate uh, the mentality of children, trying to tr- get them to respond as adults when they're not adults handling the peculiarities of children help you helps you be helps you handle adults better just, uh, just i'm not arguing that <laughs> but let's be honest we're talking about a mckay he doesn't exactly handle adults very well either exactly all right now i never i never said it was unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough 
Uh, number five. We've got both McKay intro scenes in this episode, and they yes! are pretty close together. That's true. Yes! That's true. I also noticed that, too. <laughs> number six. They're like 30 seconds apart. Yeah. Number six. If they not only turned the device back on, but increased the size of the shield by 50%, how is the jumper supposed to fly away? The shield is the reason the ship crashed in the first place. Well, obvious. Yeah. Obvi, they landed outside the 50% expansion zone. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And McKay knew that. I don't really have an affinity <laughs> for this episode. And uh-huh. a meh episode gets a meh score. I predict a four from both of you. See you next week. Very close. Very close. You split the difference. It, yes. You know, you got Very the close. aggregate, but the aggregate is sure not the did. same as a correct prediction. Therefore, correct. no doop doop. No, no, no doop doops, but very close. All right. Rowan is our final uh, Facebook commenter. At least I think it's the final Hi, one. Hi, Rowan. Uh, Rowan says, the team are, going, are doing a survey of an unfamiliar planet. Well, I say quotes unfamiliar. As Rodney points out, almost all planets look kind of like the Pacific Northwest, but it's for <laughs> a good reason. When a weird... Yeah. Because they when a there. weird <laughs> energy field knocks out all their tech and makes Ford's compass go all wonky, McKay wants to investigate. They yeah. just about they are they are just about to find the source of the wonkiness when they run into the Lost Boys in their uh-huh. treehouse village. The team yeah. meet with the elders and learn this society's dark secret to keep the wraith from calling them. They call themselves at twenty five. Yeah. Pardon, uh, just a, a sidestep here. Um, this community lives in the trees. They have yep. ladders that go up in the trees. What is so dangerous about this forest that require them to live in the trees? The and groundhogs. Groundhogs. Okay. I mean, no, I mean... It, it, They're vicious. Wh- whatever is there would certainly be um, probably not inappropriate for that, right? But um, people don't just climb into trees and live in trees yeah. because they want to. Well, they're kids. Yeah, they do. Oh. If your society is run by children. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let me, let me. Get- I want to build a tree house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let's, uh, let's continue with Rowan's comments. Uh, uh, and the society has a deep, dark secret to keep the wraith from culling them. They call themselves at 25. That's yes. messed up. Yes. You know what would be even more messed up? If our hero stole the ZPM power of the EM field that is actually protecting these I people. I know! McKay is a big fan of colonialism, resource extraction, and forced relocation, it turns out. Yep. Yes! Yes, I didn't talk about that, but I did feel no. that. And I'm like... McKay. Yeah. There was a lot of things that just got kind of glossed in this episode. It turns out, however, uh, but we're not so much. That's a good thing. Better go put it back fast because the Wraith show up. This episode sets up a tense and complex situation and resolves it a little too easily. Mm -hmm. I guess that's television, but it doesn't really work for me. Brent will find it more compelling and give it a four. Zach no, will be yeah. <laughs> meh on it and give it a 2.5. Uh, yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You certainly um, uh, nailed our feelings about the episode. Sure did. Uh, this episode has an IMDb rating of 7.2, which is three chevrons, putting it in the bottom 25% yeah. of Stargate episodes yeah. overall. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see here. Yep. Okay. Those are our Facebooks. Thank you. All right. We're going over to the discords. All right. We've got Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. So our Atlantis flagship team emergency crash landed on a planet where they are greeted by the inhabitant by its inhabitants who believe that if they sacrifice themselves as soon as they turn 25, their people will be saved from the wraith. Wowza. That is, that, that's certainly a dark twist. And of course, Shepard wants to challenge their belief with the village elders celebrating, quote unquote, celebrating his 25th birthday the very same night. Ugh. Rodney has finally found new friends that he he just has to learn to appreciate. It doesn't turn up my Mikao meter. He's still pretty much a jerk level. Yeah. Making him that girl, making that girl cry made me want to throw lemons at him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Harder things than lemons, more like rocks. Anyway, the episode, this episode, the episode asks difficult questions about superstition and how far you go for your beliefs. And it does a poor job answering them. Mm -hmm. The solution felt almost identical to SG-1's episode, uh, season one episode, The Ten Commandments. Ah, showing natives that it's actually a shield that's protecting them instead of their beliefs. Yay. Right. We did have a repeat of this. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Rating wise, I enjoyed the episode. It was nice seeing the actor that played Karis again. I've liked him in SG One. The whole episode reminded me of an early SG One, which also is a plus in my book. It's a four point five out of eight chevrons for me. I wonder if Zach sees the similarities to Ten Commandments as well. He will have more to say on the issue of superstition. I guess he might dislike the episode quite a bit. Three out of eight chevrons. Ooh, there, yep, yep. Okay, He's got that. Yep. Brent finds a flaw that he gets really hung up on and his ratings will become more favorable. Brent finds a flaw that he gets really hung up on and his rating will become more favorable than Zach's. Huh? Huh? Okay. okay. But doesn't go above a four chevrons. Oh, ah, super close. Super close. Super close. All right. And then we have Jesse who is new oh. because Jesse tells us that. Oh, fabulous. Hello, Jesse. Oh, okay. Hello, all. I'm Jesse. I've never put in a prediction before because I'm lazy. <laughs> I thought I'd give it a try. I'll try not to be too long-winded. Before I predict this episode, I thought I would mention why I like Atlanta so much. Yes, even more than SG-1. And it's a reason why I believe every episode has been better than Zach and than Brent and Zach have been rating in them. I love the setup of Atlantis because they are all on their own. No SGC to back them up. They have the personnel they brought with them, and that's it. And the personnel they have are not the best of the best. But they are the willing who they they are the best of those willing to leave everything with the possibility of never returning. That narrows down the field quite a bit. And because of that, you get flawed characters like Kavanaugh and Bates. This is a good take. Even Shepard has very little experience exploring and going through the gate. Also, they can never leave the job. No relaxation and getting away from everything, which adds to the insane stress because of this. Mistakes are made, and that's really interesting to, to watch for me. This is really interesting. Yeah. I could go on for quite for, for a long time, but I'll get to my prediction now. That's that I like. Thank you for setting that up. That's that's hmm, that's meaty. I like that. All right, here we go. In this episode, we again see McKay and his sometimes singularly focused mind looking out for Atlantis by taking the ZPM and leaving the kids unprotected. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Weir gets Rodney to realize that they are not the most important thing in the Pegasus in the Pegasus galaxy, and they can't just take things they need. Meanwhile, the rest of the team is with the kids, who through the generations have forgot the reasons why they have the rules they they do. Re-education is needed. To me, this episode isn't about superstition or beliefs, but more about understanding. 
Knowing why you do the things you do is important. They were obeying the rule that had been made, but they didn't know the full reason why they were. Aha. With the full story, they were able to make changes. One can say they made an informed decision. Um, This episode will no doubt have a good conversation from the guys. It's a five for me. Brent will give it a five as well. And Zach, a 4.5 just because. No, no, Ah. no, no. Super close. Super close. Super close. Well, thank you, Jesse. All right. Thank you very much, Jesse. And then uh, Kevin popped in real quick, uh, predicting a discussion about the way McKay acted in this episode. And apologies to David, but not necessarily in that order. Okay. So there's there's Kevin's thing. We that's, have... uh, that's our Discord. Sweet. Thank you, friends. And we have a couple of emails. Yes. Uh, our first email is from listener Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann says, oh, look, the white Canadian defaults to imperialism. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. This episode is messy. McKay's imperialist tendencies are sidestepped when Weir argues that the ZPM isn't worth stealing. Conflict averted. Woohoo! Yep. Yep. I do enjoy Karis and Shepard's conversations about the planet's rituals regarding the sacrifices. There's disagreement and conflict, but also respect and a desire to understand each other. But again, conflict is averted with the return of the ZPM. Uh, side note here, I will say that that the con- I agree the conversation that Shepard and Karis have about the rituals and expectations of the society where you know we can be persuasive, um, you know all of that stuff. Um, that was a really good conversation. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Lydia and continues. The episode tries to ask what limits. Uh, ask what limits a society places this the episode tries to ask what limits a society places on its survival by both the atlantis expedition and the society on the planet but mm-hmm. does it wrestle with the question in a meaningful way because technology saves the day it yeah. also places rituals opposite of knowledge as if the two aren't as if the two are antithetical right. yeah, yeah yeah yes right that's not how rituals work and is just expletive redactive. <laughs> Lydia Ann redacted that expletive. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I-, I agree with you 100% on that one. Uh, she predicts that Brent gives this a 3 and oh, Zach yeah, okay. a 2.5. Oh, wow. Woof. There you go. Yes. And then we have David. Hi, David. David um, has a picture from Overlords from Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End. Uh-huh. Uh, and it says, anyone else disappointed we did not find these guys here? And I'm going to say, David, if you want to share that picture on Discord, you can do that. Do uh, it. So he says, no, just me. Uh, actually, I wasn't either. Just needed something for the bias buffer gag. <laughs> So, this childhood's end. Bypassing the ick factor of the ages of the younger children and the implications of the age at which they become parents because they have yeah. been on their own for 500 years and seem to have a sustainable genetic pool. Yeah. 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 500 yep. years? That's 20 or more generations, and they never bothered to go exploring and develop or to even think there might be a better way? Sure. 
Everyone dying at 24 might curtail societal development, but it just seems like a convenient story method to encounter a new quote-unquote primitive society and to tell them, quote-unquote, your way bad, our way good. Yeah. Sure, yeah. it's true in this case, but still. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think it's the best option on the table, but I don't know if I can go so far as to say that their solution to the realities of things is bad. It's it's intended to be reviling. Oh, sure. That's the word I was trying. Maybe revolting is the best word. Like, it was a setup that was going to quickly get a whole lot of Western viewers to go, Ugh! Yep. Um, now, uh, he, he says, come on, Atlantis writers, do better. Agreed. Anyway, let's assume we've had a long, drawn-out discussion about societal development, superstition, technology, children having children, and all that, like you most likely have already had, Zach and Actually, Brent. we didn't. <laughs> we didn't Some get into of that, not all of that. that. Yeah, we got into a bit of it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> At least we got the reuse of Wraith air tags, even though, uh, <laughs> though even that was convenient. How yeah. long had that Wraith been dead? How long do Wraith AirTag batteries work in an EMP field? Yeah. How convenient was it that a Wraith probe showed up at just the right moment of plot? Uh, Again, of come on, Atlantis writers, do better. Yeah. Had this been a new TV show not connected to any other show, I probably would have lost interest by now. Oh, it yeah, does yeah, get yeah. better, though. Uh, he predicts a three chevrons from Brent for the aforementioned yeah. ick factor. And a three yeah. and a half chevrons from Zach for Wraith air tags super, again. Super close. Super close. Not using chevron tolerances for scoring this time. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Those are you, our predictions. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody, for that. Appreciate that. Love it. Yes. Uh, it's great to hear your comments and thoughts on these episodes. Oftentimes, you think of things that we didn't mention and it's great yeah that's right so brent yes um i'm gonna say next time because yeah. next week is christmas eve and oh man i'm gonna we're tell you this recording. right now we're not recording a podcast <laughs> on christmas eve nope nope it's not happening and the nope. week after that is new year's eve and yeah, i'm gonna tell you right now we're not recording a podcast on new year's eve okay so we will see you next time Should in the new year acquaintance be forgot nope uh yeah new year yep so next time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we are going to watch the sg1 episode affinity mm -hmm. that's a-f-f-i-n-i-t-y affinity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i ask you what is okay. affinity all about affinity all right affinity next time on stargate sg1 the SG-1 team traveled through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. It's a world full of individuals who are tall, green, and semi-translucent. Okay. But it's also a world where they tend to wear t-shirts and shorts if they're children, but either like strange armor that only protects like parts of their shoulders and heads, or nothing at all. Ooh. Oh. Is this going to be a spicy episode of SG-1? No, not really, because they are extremely alien looking. But we encounter this world and 
we get to know them and they they're 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 nice enough they're a little suspicious of outsiders that's their nature then we travel even further to a different strange new world it's so strange in fact it's a different timeline yes indeed we have once again gone through a gate that has put us into a different time than our own a future once again is it 2010 no 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 it's like 2056 or something we're not actually sure and we're placed in the sgc and more importantly everyone looks like they're animated what and amongst these people stands a tall green semi-translucent person wearing no clothes at all and they were like hey we were just at your planet and he's like what and we're like yeah we were just there and he's like but everybody hates me there and and we're like, no, this is a different time with a different planet. You could totally be around people that are like are like you and think like you do and have experiences like you do so that you could just kind of be yourself without necessarily having to have on the trappings that somebody else wants. You know, like how it is when you're within a group of people that you don't really fit in, but you're just trying to fit in how much work you put in in order to feel like you fit in. It happens to all of us in all ways. And it's really important to be with people that actually agree with you on some things. You don't always have to be in super deep philosophical conversations with nerds like Zach and Brent. You can be amongst people that actually think like you and relax and have a good time. Yes, I want to go to this place, says the person from Stargate Infinity. Join us next time on Stargate Infinity, where we have affinity with affinity groups. And that's why it's important. Affinity. Yeah. How? So um, are we going to go into the Infinity universe to, so, to get uh, what's his face? Clax or Dong or I can't remember his name. Um. Uh, I, I I don't know, but I'm just just curious that that in this this future they're, they're actually referencing us, which is kind of cool. Oh no, yeah, we're huge in the future. Oh, okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they find all these recordings and they're like, "Whoa, this is like Plato and Socrates right here." <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think that's especially accurate, but I appreciate no? the attempt. Oh. Um, and, well, and and okay, and I think we should watch the promo <laughs> to get a closer rendition of what we're going to experience next time. In a so long ago. Okay, I'm ready. All right, I am hitting play now. Next time on oh. Stargate SG One, someone new moved into the local neighborhood. Oh, yeah! No matter where Tia goes, trouble seems to follow. Ooh! Oh! Krista James, this is Daniel Jackson. Hi! Krista has requested that you leave. I suggest you. You better check yourself before you get hurt. Right on. Oh, yeah. Why is Tia under surveillance? And what is he accused of? Because he's a vigilante! Oh no. Also, law enforcement doesn't like strong black men. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Also, this nonsense happens on the next <laughs> start. Oh no! Pete! That's why I got you this. Oh no, oh no, oh no! No! No, Zach. Oh no. Oh boy. What are we gonna do? Oh dear. We we get to say hello oh, to Pete again. Oh dear. 
I didn't want to say hello to Pete again. Well, it doesn't matter what you want, Brent. This is what no. you get. This is your medicine, and you have to take it. Well, it's more to the point of, like, three things. One, it's a TV show. Two, as a result, maybe Pete Shanahan isn't as creepy as I think he is. Three... It's not really me who makes that decision, now is it? It's not me who's going to get married to Pete Shanahan. Well, that's true. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't get married to Pete. I I wouldn't marry Pete either. Mm-mm, nope. No. All right. So <laughs> next time we will delve into the episode Affinity when Teal turns into Shaft and Pete proposes to Carter. That's terrible and hilarious. Um, I hope I have a good time with this episode. Uh, you know. I won't say anything. I have I have remembrances and thoughts about this episode. Uh, we will get to it then. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yep. And it won't be until 2023. It won't be until next year. Right? Oh my gosh, it's so long. Yeah, I know. I will be a year <laughs> older by the time, that time. Oh, that's right. So. Yeah, your birthday's coming yeah, up. Yeah, my birthday's right. coming up. All right. Yep. So. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, send us an email or Facebooks or Twitters. Well, not the Twitters uh, or the nope. Discords or whatever. Yeah. Tell us what you think, your comments and all that stuff. Uh, have a fun time. Have a great holiday season. Uh, however you want to celebrate that. And yep. until next Enjoy. time, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And we'll see you then. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.